another episode of the another Jigsaw episode. Podcast. We mm-hmm. are your brothers. I am Josh Rogers. I am Brian Hare. And the Cosini Girls are back for another episode where we talk about all the things, mm-hmm. but particularly we talk about the perils, the praises, the productivity, and the pumping circumstance of being black millennials trying to navigate the craziest puzzle piece ever created. That is the Jigsaw Life. Brother! Yes! yes. How are you? It's a great day to be black. Oh, yes, as Lord. someone once said, I'm black, y'all. I'm black, y'all. I'm bliggity 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 black, y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm bliggity bliggity black, 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 black. I'm a black, and it's a fact. Uh, it's, it's our month. Another man says, "Say it loud." I'm, I'm black, black and I'm proud. <laughs> then, um, then, um, then Roxy and Players Club spanked the white police officers and made them say they're black and proud. <laughs> he did at the basketball party. Right. Roberta Flack and uh, Donnie Hathaway said, "Be real black for me." Mm-hmm. So we we here. Then Aretha say, "Y'all gifted and black." Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> we're black. We are black. Damn. My melanin is popping. If I woke up white this month, oh, I know that I didn't pay my tithes because <laughs> that's a curse with a curse. <laughs> Wither up and die. <laughs> but we're oh, here. We're what's here. been going on, bro? How how are you going to celebrate Black History Month? Oh, uh, I will probably. I'm gonna be extra black. Um, mm. I don't know, like, usually I try to find uh, ways to be super black, but I don't know. I don't know what okay. I'm going to do. I don't, I'm, but I'm going to do something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my blackness. I'm going to be authentic in my blackness, which okay. is a great term for great this episode. Great term for this episode. Be super authentic in my blackness this okay. month. Uh, do some black things. Probably, you know, eat some wings, you know. Ooh, I'm going to have to air fry all of mine because I still got these body goals. Oh, you do. Summer. Uh, summer listen, is approaching. But summer. it's still going to be... You know, there's a black-owned 
um, brand. Maybe we gotta shout them out. But they have a sugar free. He has a sugar free like barbecue and mm-hmm. sauces and stuff. It's a black man on the picture, so I hope really? it's black on. Hopefully it is. I mean, it's at the Walmart, mm-hmm. and but they, but it's like eight dollars a bottle for some wing sauce. Um, gotta support black because you know the blacks were saying that black people don't support black. I'm gonna support it. That's your price. That's your price. So I'm gonna do that. Right. And then I'm gonna put my lemon pepper sprinkles on there anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna eat it. And I'm gonna have to do like some, I don't know, some baked potatoes or something. You know, yeah. cut up me some real potatoes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. put it in there. Um, and let that happen. So I'm excited about Black History Month. It's something about 2020. I feel like 2022 has a grace on it. It does. Specifically for, for us, for it black does. people. It does. And, you know, oh, I, I went to, a, um, I got to meet some of my Blavity friends. Okay. How was that? Um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was great. So I, I, I tell people all the time, the great thing about Blavity is that um, everybody's there pretty much black. So okay. you know, so that's one major microaggression right. that you do not have to deal with. Right. I don't think that any company is perfect, so I'm not going to say that. Definitely. Um, but I will say everybody who was able to come, who lived in Atlanta, were really good people. That's great good. times, mm-hmm. great food, great drinks, great energy. Um, so that was a great way to start off my my Black History Month yesterday. Definitely, definitely. great way to start off my Black History Month. Um, are are you going to lean into? The slavery, <sighs> Jim Crow movies and docs and stuff. Hell no. Nah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I just saw some. I saw a meme or something like that, and it said like streaming services during Black History Month uh, tell black stories, and it's like only niggas getting killed by police officers. Um, Those aren't our just, only stories. We man. don't like. We don't want. And I try to. If anything, I try to lean outside of black trauma during Black History Month. Yeah. Um, I try to. You know, black joy. Um, I think black our history is way more than just trauma uh, and just negativity mm-hmm. and all those mm-hmm. things. And I think what a lot of times, especially I think you and I, we, and I don't think I grew up in a lot of trauma. I had trauma, of course, but you know, at a certain point, I can try to get older and I can shield myself from trauma. Yeah. Shouts out to during Emmett Till documentary. Uh, I we watched I, that in I, January. I, I, I watched it in January. So <laughs> and we can talk about that, but um. Yeah, it's it's just the fact of like I really try to go away from uh, black trauma during Black History Month. I try to lean toward black joy, black families, positivity, um, and all that kind of great stuff. What about you? Um, so I probably watch some because I'm mm-hmm. I like documentaries, mm-hmm. um, especially when they're well made. Um, but I don't know that I'm gonna watch all the ones that we know about. Like you know, it's only so many stories about MLK that I can. You know, right. we've literally been inundated with his, and not to say that what he's done for society is insignificant. It's mm-hmm. like, it's almost like the Biggie Tupac thing. Yeah. How many, how many more of these you going to tell? Cause it's only right. so much more information we're going to know. Right. So I probably won't watch any other MLK stories nah. on as far as documentaries. Um, but like if they, if there's something else kind of like an Emmett Till or something where we're getting new information, right, filling right. in some holes and gaps. Right. I'm probably going to subject myself to that trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I'm not watching Mississippi Burning and like those movies and nah, all that. Kind. I'm not well, doing that. Yeah, I'm not doing and, that. I'm not doing Fruitvale that. Fruitvale Station. Not doing that. And not all doing that kind that. of stuff. So nah, I, if anything, I might, you know, Black Panther's a thing. Yes. Um, I'm, even, even though Malcolm X, for the most part, to me, is is, is, a, is a coming of age story. It's, sure. It's, it's, it's sure. super... It lacks other than like the last like ten ten minutes. Yeah, I mean I watch the Malcolm X story movie. Mm-hmm. I would watch an MLK movie. Yeah. I'm not watching a doc specifically yeah. on like 
the behind the scenes of his murder. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, it's like that's what they tend to focus on. Yeah. They don't focus on his life. Yeah, they focus so much, you know, on the Lorraine Motel and yeah, you know, on so. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they gave me like a doc, like inside look of Coretta Scott, like post death and even before, because when I understand I, she was an activist before she married MLK, I read so I just read some stuff recently. So like stuff like that, I would right. sign me up. And to that point, like we've never had like a Coretta Scott le- like documentary that mm-hmm. I, I'm aware of. No, not just not not specifically about her. Yeah, and I think even with in the Betty Shabazz too, like she did stuff after her husband passed mm-hmm. away or was murdered. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say murdered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Winnie Mandela was an important civil rights leader, and so, so I think sometimes I think the wives of these leaders who are are, are tremendous in their own right, yeah, um, don't get their just due um, because they're shadowed by um, their husband's legacy and stuff like that. Even Michelle Obama, we know Michelle Obama was that girl, was mm-hmm. that woman, mm-hmm. and she was probably you know bigger. Uh, she was bigger than than uh, Barack Obama, but she doesn't get as much acclaim as she probably should because she, you know, is married to a person with his great legacy. So. Right. And I'm hoping that's what, like, the, the Emmett Till story, because mm-hmm. it was called Women of the Movement. Yep, it was good. So I'm hoping that they give us additional women. Right. So to your point, we can see the creator Scott King story, you mm-hmm. know, with some more details, learn more about Betty Shabazz, uh, even Megger Evers' wife. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's what's my girl in Mississippi? Uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. Like, Fannie all, Lamer, yes. all, all of them. What, what Shirley Chisholm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And even though there's a, bi- it's a biopic coming about about Shirley Chisholm's life, but like still. Yeah. Um, we have Fannie Lou Hamer. And that's a person that I think a lot of people don't know. And that's, I think, why Black History Month is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is because I think, like you say, you do with your, your sons, you make them kind of they dig, they yeah. dig deep, and they go deeper than just the the typicals, um, the typical folks. Uh, and then, really, I think in some cases, it's really, I think the 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 unlearning whitewashed black history, yeah, and kind of get into the root of some of that stuff. Uh, and 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 because sometimes they'll villainize certain people and say people were certain things. And so, I think trying to get the true story and, and, and getting off of that whitewashing of black history, I think it's extremely important. And then reading some things that you probably didn't know before. Um, some true stories and stuff like that. Some people we didn't know were essential to our struggle or to our fight to where we are now. I think all of that is important. And even within that, like, I don't know if this is in the billboard, but even the idea of us potentially, hopefully, um, Robinette giving us a... Uh, no, a, Robinette. <laughs> a, a black uh, female woman. Oh, yes. Yes. He's committed to that. Now, mm-hmm. it's the other whites that might stop it. But, mm-hmm. you know, but, but, but to your point, yes. Uh, I think a lot of times the women of the movement have not been given their just due. Right. And, you know, a lot of, I, I post, I think I posted, uh, I'm going to try to mm-hmm. post a historical black figure every day for this month on my IG story. Got it. And I started with my favorite historical figure, which is Shirley Chisholm. Shirley. Um, and a few people was like, really? Sure. I was like, pause. Why couldn't she, why can't she be my, she's my favorite. She yeah. don't have to be yours. Right. Um, but I think, I think that's the thing. Like a lot of people. Um, black women having again just haven't gotten their just due, and we see how that some of that systemic mm-hmm. realization manifests itself in today. Right. Uh, how black women still are, you know are paid less, are treated poorly, oh, yeah. um, all the different type of things. But most, we, most educated, most educated, but you know the least appreciated. Right. Um, but we won't get too deep into that. Um, Song of the week. Okay. I think I found something that's super appropriate for. 
our first episode of Black History Month. Okay. It is a black national anthem. Okay. So and, to speak. Am I am I guessing what it is? Or? Um, sure. So you're at an event and this plays and the people get together. That could be a lot of things. It's a lot of things. Keep your shuffle, electric slide. So it is like, (laughs) imagine how people would have moved if they were, you know, in close proximity singing, you know, swing low, sweet chariot. (laughs) What? You know? (laughs) What? You know, they may sway back and forth. Oh, I know what you're... Okay, I know what you're saying. Okay, I see where you're going. You see where I'm going? Okay. Okay, so it goes a little... This is... is, Or maybe a first in Jigsaw here, so I'm not going to sing it, because I just feel like it's so Mm -hmm. much more appropriate if I play it. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Can't mess with my band. Mm-hmm. Popping tag. Gotta start off slow. <laughs> right. And that is Swag Surf by the Fast Life Youngsters. Fast Life. Where are they, where are they today? It doesn't matter. <laughs> that residual check is nice. I am positive. It's played at every black event. Every black event. Every homecoming. Every mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of homecoming, I got a few things I got to talk about about black homecomings. Okay. And we'll get to that in the billboard. But for now, bro, are you ready? Yes. We're going to the Blessed Report talking about some black excellence. So ready. Let's get ready to do, do it. it. Yeah. All right, we're here at the Blessed Report where we talk about, you know, black folks doing great black things. You know, it's Black History Month. You know, it's not really like doing anything new. But uh, we wanted to definitely shout out a black brand. And that's what we do here at the Jigsaw Podcast. If you know anybody that has a black brand, you feel free to let us know. Uh, We might shout them out. Put them on the Blessed Report. Mm -hmm. uh, Hit us up in our DM or go to the, uh, the Jigsaw Podcast at Gmail and we will hopefully shout them out. So... The black brand uh, we are blessing up today is Actively Black. All right, Actively Black, you may not have heard of them before, but who are they? Actively Black is a black-owned entity created by former professional basketball player Lanny Smith. Actively Black was created with the input and advice from friends who have experience at the highest levels with Nike, Adidas, Jordan, and, and, and other companies alike. They said they tried or they saw a void in representation and investment back into the communities for those who created the cultures and they wanted to create a cool factor for those large brands. So basically they said, our black people have been creating Adidas and Jordan and all the kind of stuff, but we need our own brand, right? So Mm -hmm. this is a premium athleisure and sports apparel brand designed by us and for us. This is a mission-based brand with the goal to reinvest back in our communities and to improve the mental health and physical fitness of the black community. And for the movement to continue... We have to be able to keep moving and shout out or bless up to to Lanny Smith. And he said, we are building our own table. That was actually his quote. We're building our own table. We're not asking for a seat anymore. So shouts out to Actively Black. And the great thing about Actively Black is that, you know, we can see there's a, 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 as Josh, you know, you are extremely 
into athletics and working out and things of that nature. And you go to an all black, all black gym, black gym mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. So mm-hmm. we, black people do work out. We do exercise. We do. Some more than others. Don't yeah. do that. Don't. I, I feel I'm, the shade. No, no, no. The shade ain't for you. I, I'm, I'm just. Go ahead. I feel the shade coming. No, 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 no. It's not towards you though. Okay. I'm trying to, you know, because I want to support this brand. <laughs> Actively black. Okay. Because but Nike got Nike got a chokehold on me. Nike does. But we go. I'll, I'll support. We go support. We go support. support. We go get a shirt. We go, or we go get a shirt or some, some shorts or something like that. Some we, compression shorts. We gonna stand something. by y'all. We gonna stand. Yeah, by I'm gonna stick beside you because Nike, or at the very least, send people your way. <laughs> Bless up. Bless up. Y'all support activelyblack.com. Go ahead and get your your your, uh, your stuff to work out. And get slim because you got you know like Josh always says he has goals. I got goals. And this first quarter, you watch. Mm-hmm. At the end of March, mm-hmm. come April 1, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus and Owen will be celebrating who resurrected. Hello. Hello. <laughs> his, body is, his body is getting his premiere. I'm coming out of Joseph's new tomb. Okay? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> As a new man. But shout out to the what, collectively black? Actively black. Actively, <laughs> Actively black. black. Glory to God. All right. Mm-hmm. Is that it for the billboard? That's it for the billboard. Anybody uh, die? Uh, if they died, count God bless their soul. God bless their <laughs> Rest up. Soul. Rest, Rest up. up. Oh, no, no, no. So, Miss America, Miss USA. Oh, 2019. yes, 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 yes. We yes, got to yes, definitely yes, shout yes. her out. Or, uh, and it's definitely sad to say we you know, never want to do Rest of Reports, but definitely. It, it, it's a little different. We have like a pioneer and an icon. Somebody's lived a long life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really sad. We have to do a bless up for somebody who is younger, actually younger than both of us. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a rest up for Chelsea Christ, who passed away at the age, unfortunately, of 30. Um, I'm going to say it was a fall from her high rise. Some people have been speculating that it was suicide. You know, if that is the case, you know, we're definitely praying for her and her family. Yeah. Mental health is, is, is a thing. Um, we got to definitely uh, take care of our mental health, take care of our family and our friends, check up on people. I um, mean, you look at some people like her and you say, well, she was Miss America and all the kind of great stuff, but you never know what people are going through. Mm-hmm. So it's always important just to, you know, assume that maybe somebody's going through so you can make sure you're checking on them, uh, checking on their mental health. Uh, so we're definitely praying for the family of Chelsea Christ uh, and anyone who is dealing with any potential mental health issues. Uh, you don't have to have mental health issues to go to see a therapist. Just do it. Everybody needs it. And since we're talking about it, Black History Month, what better time now yeah, factoids. to talk about your black mind, right? And Dr. Martin Luther King said a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Didn't he say that? Somebody said Somebody it. Somebody said it. <laughs> and a mind is a terrible thing to waste. So you might as well go out there, get your therapist, work through those things, work through those emotions, work through those feelings um, so you can definitely um, take care of yourself. So rest up to uh, Chelsea Christ. Bless up to Actively Black, and we appreciate you. Josh, do we have anything to talk about in the billboard? We have plenty. I want to start off with talking about something that um, concerns history. Let's talk about our good good sis, Whoopi Goldberg, over down there at The View. So, okay. recently, she was, they were in a conversation. They were talking about the Holocaust, and she mm-hmm. said that the Holocaust really wasn't about race. Okay. Um, and it got a ton of backlash. She's apologized um, and all the things. But... Mm-hmm. As of yesterday, ABC has suspended Whoopi Goldberg for two okay. weeks over her Holocaust statement. Um, on Tuesday night, Kim Goodwin, the president of ABC, stated that effectively immediately um, suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks for her wrong and hurtful comments. While Whoopi has apologized, I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn about the impact of her comments. Now, mm. um, you know, mm. I got some feelings. Me too. I got some feelings because... On some of these same stations, you have people who say, let's forget about slavery, yep. let's get over it. And the moment we say, you know, one of our black icons says mm-hmm. something 
a little bit off base. I'm right. like, you know, because I because I think at the root of it, yeah. Her, her statement wasn't totally false. No, 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 no. It wasn't totally true, right. but it wasn't totally false. I mean, because Hitler specifically targeted targeted Jews. Right. And from the last time I remember, mm-hmm. check me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. Judaism is a religious practice yes. and not an ethnicity or race. I, right? I, I would agree with that. Um, so, you know, so I noticed that she wasn't totally wrong, right. but I think she was, she was kind of ill-informed in the fact that People of Jewish descent are mm-hmm. kind of categorized that way, based on like the, their Jewish descent kind of categorized them as their own kind of class and set right. of people of you know if, in terms of demographics. Right. So, um, but I just think that the backlash that she's gotten, particularly with coupled with her apology, which I think was sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it goes like to our, even though this isn't a, a crime, but mm-hmm. look at our justice system, right? right. Our black and brown people are disproportionately. Um, have greater sentencing and, and, right. and repercussions for for certain actions than people who are white, right. and I think this is a a, a, a very clear right. example of that as well. Because if it was somebody else saying the same thing about slavery, right, they may have gotten a slap on the wrist. Oh and yeah, not a two weeks as okay, definitely. You know, definitely. And and I think even at the heart of what she was saying, I don't think there was any ill intent with the heart of what she was saying. No, I think she said it was just an evil person doing something. Evil, and she didn't feel that race had anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, she didn't think race was like the guiding factor <clears throat> right. of what Hitler did because you know, for all intents and purposes, like Hitler was white, right? Most of the Jews in Holocaust were white. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if we're gonna break it down with black and white, yeah, like yeah. that's you know what I'm saying. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, they, they were Germans. You know yeah, what I'm but yeah. white. You know what I'm saying? So if we're gonna look at race as a construct, we're right. looking at it as black and white. Like, right. that's why I'm saying she wasn't totally wrong, right, right, right. Um, in her statement, but. Neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, like, let's. I want to keep all the the negative things toward the front, so we can mm-hmm. end this thing with some black joy. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, you, you know, Brian, I am a proud alum of a one of the most prestigious HBCUs that there is, and you are. Some of our HBCU sister schools have been um, threatened over the last month with bomb threats, have disrupted life at these HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been at, threats at at least thirteen campuses. Uh huh. Um, and just and, and and this is the third time since January fourth that such threats have been received. So according to CNN, the list of schools that were threatened includes um, Coppin State University, Mississippi Valley State, Morgan State, Alcorn State, Tougaloo College, Jackson State University, Kentucky State University, Fort Valley State, Howard University, Xavier. Is it Xavier or Xavier? I say Xavier. I'm black. It's Xavier. <laughs> Xavier. It's an X, and it's Xavier. It's Xavier uh, University of DC, Spelman College. That's my mm-hmm. sister school, and it was water. So if they threaten Spelman, they might as well threaten Morehouse and Clark because right. they're so close to each other. Right. If a bomb hits, it's going to affect us all. Right. So whoever it is doing these bomb threats, y'all go to hell and burn fifty thousand right. times. Like this is absolutely asinine um, that these particular colleges are being targeted, mm-hmm. um, and black colleges in in general are being targeted. So right. prayers up to the students and the faculty um, at these specific institutions, uh-huh. and uh, we hope that everybody is being safe. Right. This isn't necessarily sad news, but this is news that I didn't have to hear. Brian, okay. you know that mm-hmm. my favorite movie okay. of all time yes. talks about the royalness mm-hmm. of a particular color, uh-huh. the color purple, yes, sir. starring our good sis, Whoopi Goldberg, yes. our good sis, Oprah Winfrey, uh-huh. Danny Glover, yes, sir. and you know, and, and, and I can't remember Sugar Avery's real name. But her, you know, and all the other people who were in that film. It is a masterful film. I've seen the play. I've watched the movie a million times. Amazing soundtrack. I've read the book a few times. Mm -hmm. It is just, it is just, oh my God, it's a cinematic black 
classic. Oh, it's definitely a black classic. classic. It's a black classic. I am one of the people who will say your black card is revoked if you haven't seen. It. You ain't gotta like it, mm-hmm. but if you ain't seen it in full, mm-hmm. then my God, what have you done with your life? Anyway, right. we know that this has it has been revived on Broadway several yep. times. I've seen it, and uh, I've, yeah, I've seen it too. I saw it when um, Fantasia was in it. Yeah, I saw when it came to Atlanta. Came to Atlanta. Yep. I wish I would have saw it when both her and Michelle were in at the same time. Because that was a it was a season where they both they intersected right. for, for a while. I feel like the one we went to, Fantasia didn't sing. It might have been Cynthia Rebo that filled in for her. Mm. She probably wouldn't like that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Even though I heard her sing that um, that I'm Still Here or whatever. Mm. And she... So I, I appreciate Cynthia Rebo's art. I just can't get with her... Her comments about Black American culture when yeah. you built your career off Black American culture. Since I just agreed. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm not getting back on that soapbox. You're not taking me down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so what's happening, Brian, is that like many films and TV shows that happen, yep. they are reviving shows into uh-huh. a live television or live movie adaptation, right. and they're doing that to the color purple. Now we saw that Taraji mm-hmm. has now been cast as Sugar Avery. Now I'm actually not mad at that. Right. I'm I not can, totally I can, mad I can at see that. that. I can see that. What I am upset is is that you thought it was necessary to do a a, a a live movie adaptation of the Color Purple musical. Basically, what you're telling me is you're redoing this movie. Yes. Essentially, you're making the movie a musical. Yes. And I don't want that. Not not at all. Keep it on Broadway. Yes. <laughs> like to me, you're you're messing with a classic. Yes. Like it's you can't get any better than Steven Spielberg and that amazing cast. Yes. And all you're doing is asking for trouble. And I don't know if there's any... I can't think of anything offhand. I might be wrong. Who's um, going to be Seeley? Who is going to be Seeley? Who's going to be Sophia? Who's going to be Who gonna be Mr.? Who's going to be Harper? Who's going to be Hoppo? Who's going to be Sweet? <laughs> that's light-skinned girl. Uh, <laughs> Hoppa. Hoppa. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know. It just I just think something should be left alone. I really do think something should yes. be left alone. Um, because, you know, it's, the color purple is a classic and it's a gem and it doesn't need to be touched. It was, it was good the first time. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. I don't even think it's one of those things where the people are even asking. I, like we talked about like last year, we talked about the, um, coming to America too. Yes. Where we were thinking like, well, it might, you know, hopefully it might be something, but this is like, no, no one's, one, no one's no asking for one. a color Purple, no adaptation, whatever it is, one. we don't want it. Not we don't a want. One. So send that back to Cinder, and we praying against that. Even though I'm, I'm okay with her playing Suge, I can see her playing a good Suge. Yes. Um, but we don't, we don't need that. Who can do the music? Kurt Franklin can do the music. Now, now I didn't expect you to say that because I can, I can, I can see that though because because uh, Andrew Crouch, Kojic person, he did the original, uh-huh. so maybe he might be involved in the because um, Andre going to glory. Andre's gone. And Kirk is still here. Kirk is still here. Well, you know who else would be good would be Donnie Lawrence in terms of scoring the oh, film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or, and, and get, and get, oh, you know who? And, they, and they're going to stay in their more classical gospel game, um, vein. Uh-huh. They could do Richard. Richard Smallwood. Richard Smallwood. <laughs> Richard. If you would only trust me. That is good. Speaking of stuff that ain't nowhere near Broadway, Tyler Perry is coming oh, back. He on. decided that he was he was no longer tired of wearing his wigs and mm-hmm. his titty holder and all the things that come with playing Madea because he mm-hmm. is back on February 25th with a Netflix original film, Madea's 
Homecoming. Who asked um, nobody asked for it. So from what I understand, it, mm-hmm. it is a coming to age story of this young girl who is, I think, going on a college tour. I could be very wrong, but I feel like that's what I saw in the preview. And it's a typical Madea story. It's going to be, you know, heteronormative couple going to go through something based around this situation. Madea going to be there to save the day. It's going to be a big lesson in the end. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You watching it? Uh, I haven't seen Madea anything in a long time. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, my family, we made, we helped make Tyler Perry rich. A lot of us do. We complain about Tyler. But I've seen. We critique Tyler. <laughs> but we also put money we, oh, in we, Tyler's pocket. We don't watch it. I, I, I stopped watching the Madea. I, I watch the other stuff he make. No, I don't watch the TV show. The TV you don't shows. watch Sisters? No. I, and bro? No. I, I, and Oval? Our good friend and real life friend of the podcast, Kristen Moore, he watches. He, he watches, he watches sisters. the Sisters. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't watch it. My mom watches Sisters. Um, my I, mama, my mom and sister watch sisters. And really, I, I stopped watching Tyler Perry. The, other, the last thing I saw of Tyler Perry was the um, that movie where the uh, girl's the, hair, Grace, her hair changed five yes. times in the same situation, or something like that. That was the worst. But we watched it though. We watched it. We watched. It. I played that on quarantine. <laughs> yes, because I don't know that I would have watched it otherwise. I'm gonna stand by. I'm gonna stand, stand beside by that him. reasoning. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's dropping on Netflix February 25th. Mm-hmm. And as much as we critique Tyler Perry, we always say niggas is watching it, and we are niggas. We are niggas. We are niggas. We I gonna s- watch it. I love Tyler Perry. I support you, brother. Keep doing great things. You are always changing the game. And one thing about Tyler Perry, he always mm-hmm. one thing I do appreciate about him is that he's doing it on his own. Mm-hmm. He's recognizes his niche, and he gives people the jobs. Oh yeah, and pays them well. And and pays them well. Like yep. I heard to, going back to Taraji, yep, I heard she that. was the first one. That she was the first movie to get like uh, half a mil. Yep, um, she wasn't getting paid that much on the movie, so Tyler Perry was able to do that for her. But another person that Tyler Perry employed at one point in time, one of his better movies, mm-hmm. is Janet Jackson. He and did. you know, Janet Jackson documentary just came out. We started on Black History Month with the bang with the documentary um, around Miss Demita Joe mm-hmm. Brian. Mm-hmm. Brian, uh huh. Have you? Have no. you? Now you know. Have you watched the documentary? <laughs> now you know the answer to that question. You did. I, I, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it this weekend. You got till next week. I'll watch it this I'm gonna weekend. I'm going to give you grace. I watch I'm it just, We just talked about grace. I'm going to give you grace. Give it to me. I, I will it. say this. I need it. A lot of people have their critiques about it. And they say, oh, well, I ain't going to, you know, you know, even in our friend group, I ain't going to watch it because of anything like Mary J. Blige, blah, 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 blah. I will say in this one, I don't know that we learned anything new. In this documentary. Right. I will say that. Uh, what I will say, though, is that she did answer some questions, give exact clarity mm-hmm. to a lot of things. Right. And we and it was it was fun going down memory lane. Like, I'm right. not the hugest Janet Jackson fan, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely recognize her mark on history, how yes. she paved the way uh-huh. for a lot of black women, specifically mm-hmm. black women entertainers. Uh-huh. Um, she is the godmother for the Aliyahs, the Janae Aikos, mm-hmm. the Sierras, mm-hmm. all of them who don't really have the vocals. Right. Right. Um, she like she she's the whisper singer godmother. She, she is, is she is that. And so but it was very well done. And to see how Janet is like aging gracefully and Bless at fifty three she looks great. I mean, you know Yeah, we know. She you know, she had to work. She had to work. You know, but but still but, she but she looked but there's a lot of other people who had to work. We know. Uh Latoya uh-huh. had to work. Had and to Latoya work. looks like a crip. Um <laughs> Terrible. Listen, Jasmine Guy had some work, and oh. it and it didn't say it didn't say. Jasmine is Jasmine aging got aged. so is like a is like a white prune, like the uh, prune the, with vitiligo. The ancestors <laughs> are just like see. That's why you ain't. Uh uh-uh. uh. No no. But anyway, please watch it, Brian. 
I will. Please watch it. I will watch Please it. Please watch it. Mm-hmm. Please watch it. All right. I'll watch it. Oh, speaking of documentaries, this is something I think is going to be really big in the hair household. Okay. I heard mm-hmm. that one of your, specifically Lawrence Faye, uh-huh. Bobby Brown is getting a 12 part. 12 doc- parts? A 12, 12 part, parts? A 12 part docuseries. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Let's, let's stop. Bobby Why? Brown. No. Hold on. Bobby Brown. Bobby. 12. Bobby Brown. 12 is getting part. a 12 part <laughs> docuseries. <laughs> a 12 on A and E. Episode docu <laughs> on A and E. So, okay, hold on. So it's like a, it's okay. They better be 30 minutes apiece. Robert Bears for Browns. <laughs> <laughs> it's 12. Yeah. Is it like a is it like a reality like type no, thing? No, it is a it is a docu it says docu series, oh, so it might child. be reality. But when we I don't need so, that. so they play some of the commercial during the Janet Jackson one mm-hmm. and it looks it don't look like a docu series. It don't mm-hmm. look like a reality show. It looked like a documentary uh-huh. like series. Kind of like what Jan Jackson did because on one of the clips, right? Specifically, I'm just gonna say this quote that he said. He said, "Well, he said, he said, if if me and Whitney had never divorced, mm-hmm. I think she'll still be here." Now you can do with the information what you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do with the information what you will. Mm-hmm. But so him saying stuff like that lets me know that it is very documentary in nature. Right. They're asking him specific questions. But y'all about to get. To, I'm gonna watch it. But oh, I know y'all. It. I know y'all finna have a I'm, watch party. Yeah, I'm gonna watch party. Right <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. But twelve, like to me, Bobby Brown, you probably need, you need before New Edition. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And depending on how long the episodes are, before New Edition, New Edition days, my parade, uh, um, the uh, that mm, album, yep. that album, those days, all of that, his solo, then stuff. Whitney, mm-hmm. and then after Whitney. So that's about five. Well, then you got to go back to New Edition. Because oh, you know, back reunited. Yeah. And then... And then we got to go Bravo. Or oh, whatever station they were when they did their... Yeah. Uh, when they had their reality show. Uh-huh. Then we got to go to divorce, divorce. And then current... Current, yeah. current situation. I can, but I kids. can see it being done in four hours. Because like, Janet Jackson's career spans just as long, if not mm-hmm. longer, than Bobby Brown's. Hopefully, hopefully Janet so, Jackson's in the Bobby Brown documentary. So... Because uh, she's, she's the one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, lastly, on the billboard, before we mm-hmm. get to some other things, uh-huh. is that all of you in the Navy mm-hmm. are never getting an album because Rihanna is pregnant yes. with her baby mama, Aesop Rocky. Right. Um, because, because we know who's going to be at home taking that baby. Oh, yeah. We know who's going to If anybody can take a break from their career, it's going to be Aesop. We ain't seen, we ain't Rocky. And we ain't worried about Rocky. that. We ain't worried about Rocky. We ain't worried about Rocky because Rihanna going to be out here making panties and putting makeup into the people's stores. Right. Uh, she is pregnant. She did not put her on Instagram. There was a picture that was released of her baby bump with her and AC out walking through look, the streets of New York. Mm-hmm. So congrats to Rihanna. Um, she's glowing. She's beautiful. You know, I still feel my private thoughts about Rihanna. Uh, mm-hmm. So I will leave that to the group chat. But I am so <laughs> I'm so happy right. that she's doing things her way. You know what I'm saying? Like music was her vehicle to superstardom to her billionaire status. And now she's doing everything that she wants to do um, in terms of living her own life. Um being a mother, she's not being a wife. She's like she's doing she's doing her thing. So, are you feeling any kind of way about Rihanna being a mom? Um, um, does it excite you? Do you care? Do you? I do not <laughs> care. Um, but I think it's it's just time, right? Like I think Rihanna, and I, think I love about Rihanna, I love about Beyonce, I love about Nikki. 
the fact that they have the ability to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want to do on their own time when they want to, mm-hmm. um, and they really don't care. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They'll they'll be like, yeah, all right, I want to do this. And Rihanna really does not care. That's what I love about Rihanna. She don't care. She don't care about doing albums. She's like, I all this Fenty. She's gonna come out with Fenty Baby soon, I'm sure. Oh my god! And it's going. Everybody yeah. baby gonna be having no baby. Having it's nothing. gonna pop. Like so, you know. And she's a like a billionaire. Like she's worth yeah. a billion. You know what I'm saying? So like. It's the fact of like I love Rihanna for that. I love the fact that she decided to do what she wants to do with her own body, with her life, her career. Um, I love the fact that she's like, you know, she, you know, the thing about the difference between her and like and Beyonce is like, Beyonce got with Jay Z, mm-hmm. and then they became like billionaires together. Like Rihanna, she on her own, on her own, right? And then on she said, own. "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some rapper, but he ain't gonna be like, you know, oh, even though he's known." If you know rap, right? <laughs> but like, it's I just like the fact that she's just really doing everything on her own yeah, terms. Yeah. Um. So you know, I don't really, I don't want really to get hyped up on like pregnancies and stuff like that. But you know, if I'm going to see it, I, I would definitely, um, be like a shout out to Rihanna for doing all the things she's doing. And y'all niggas ain't getting another album, no, ever. But you know what might be a thing hmm. if she drops the album. Like the same day she gives birth, I was like, you know what? Oh, that would be nice. That'd be let nice me just let me just let me just do this. That'd be no just, just do this. And then, but don't go on tour. Don't do nothing. She just give y'all the music. Right. It's like here, here. Get on my nerves because right. like, after this, you really ain't getting no music. Never. So, oh, you brought about something. I said that was the last story. I lied. I got two more. Mm-hmm. They're all music related. Nicki Minaj is dropping oh. a, is dropping a single. Okay. Um, Friday with the baby. Do we have a problem? Um, and there's this big promo. I think Fifty Cent is involved. Mm-hmm. The character Tommy from you know. Um, power uh-huh. is all in there. Um, Tia Maori's husband, Corey Hardick, is mm-hmm. in the video and all that kind of stuff. Lil Baby is featured, so I'm assuming the song is going to be great because oh, anytime, yeah. anytime. So there was a tweet that Nikki actually put on her IG that said, The dude said, Nikki better come with her bars because if she lets Lil Baby out rap her, we're going to have some problems. And, she, and then she responded and said, Y'all always think the bar be talking nice to me. If you know, you know. They be holding me accountable. Mm-hmm. And I feel, dude, like this is, I mean, Lil Baby is solid. He is a rapper. But this is also your song, sis. So you, you, mm-hmm. while you may not out-rap him, mm-hmm. you better come. Don't give us that. Yeah. Don't give us that hot girl summer verse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get my, th- I get my, th- I get my, th- and then I dip. No, we don't want that. <laughs> give, us, give us a monster. Yeah. Give us monster. Give, give monster. us what you did on Seeing Green. Like, you got, you got, on Zanies and Fools, um, that feature you did on freaking Chance Rappers. Mm-hmm. That, like, close, like, you, that was a solid verse. Anyway. But in true Onika Mirage fashion, there's a little drama in the rollout um, to her single. So she was on um, a radio show, popular radio show. Mm -hmm. She was on, um, what show was she on? Um, What is this? The Morning Hustle. The Morning Mm -hmm. Hustle with uh, Headcrack, formerly on um, Ricky Smiley's show. And they asked her why she wouldn't work. Uh, with the city girls mm-hmm. and um, Nikki had this to say I'm just gonna play it so if I as just a regular human was about to do something with you if I was about to go out to dinner with you tonight and then I get some something that says yo she don't really you like that she was saying this and she don't really like you and she and she said she hopes you actually you know never pop or never flourish and da 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 I'm not gonna go out to dinner with you anymore because now I know that I like you, but you you don't really like me. So, so you know, um, I'm just, you know that's just that's just a human way to feel. If you hear right. somebody, if you hear somebody was saying things about you, not just one thing, 
but repeated things, repeated tweets for for years, not just one thing. So it's hard to let that go. It's it's let go. Yeah, it's let go. But it's about why would I work with somebody that doesn't like me? <laughs> right. So Brian, mm-hmm. your thoughts? I'm gonna throw I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw <sighs> it to you first. Um, my one I want to see receipts. Okay. There's a city girl, JT, and yeah. them really don't like her. Because I can see that. Cause, okay, so we know, like, people's people evolve yeah. over time. So I'm pretty sure there's been times where, like, you may have tweeted something out about a celebrity. Before you became a celebrity, you didn't understand how things went. You might be like, so-and-so is whack, blase, blase. Mm-hmm. But then over time, you might be able to, you know, develop a certain, you know, respect for them. Like, for instance, yeah. I think about an NBA um, Larry Nance Jr. When he was in college, wrote all these tweets about Kobe Bryant. Gets just drafted by the Lakers, and now you are a teammate of Kobe Bryant. And you know, I'm saying all of that stuff changes, uh-huh, right? So even right. In your, so, in your, in your immaturity, you're doing all of this stuff, but now you're an adult. You're like, you know what? That was stupid. I probably shouldn't right, have said that. Right. And I think in in some cases it could be like that. So I want receipts. You know, I do too. And I think that's the case because if JT or Young Man Amy was like directly tweeting negative mm-hmm. stuff about I, this would have been a story way before now. Yeah, definitely. So like so I that definitely had to be something before they were celebrities right. uh that somebody then dug up and and it was, maybe it was directed at someone else and Nikki right. just thinks it's about her right. or the person who told her. Cuz that was she said she found out mm-hmm. that they quote unquote don't like her, right? right? right. So I mean, that that's all I, y'all know I'm a Nicki Minaj fan. Right. Y'all know that. But my biggest critique of her is her inability to seemingly work with other rap women. Right. And she did it with she did it with Foxy Brown because Foxy mm-hmm. Brown's one of her influences. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're both Trini Trini descending from you know Brooklyn or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, and she did it with Meg, which they ain't really done nothing since Hot Girl Summer. They right. ain't talked about each other. Mm-hmm. They ain't congratulate like Nikki did congratulate her on her graduation. Like if y'all yeah. little sis, big sis, yeah. like you know. So there's definitely something. Something there because even mm. in I think fractions, um, either fractions seeing green, the two new songs she put on Beam Me Up Scotty, Nikki had a line in there that said, You thinking you hot, but you know, and Nick, you know, Megan, I was mm-hmm. like, She's the hot girl, so like, I don't know if that was like a, a subliminal That's blow, it. you know, or something like that. So I don't know what's going on there, mm-hmm. but it's kind of disheartening. Like, there's another, you know, what I'm saying, like, women are finally getting mm-hmm. like taken over, right. You know, in a sense, rap. They have their place. They they're they're there. Yep. They ain't going nowhere. And essentially, one of the women who held down rap for mm-hmm. almost a decade. Yeah. And you know, and, and and can really rap. Has some great hits and stuff. You know, what I'm saying you would think she would be. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I would love to just yeah, see yeah, all yeah. of them in some regard Definitely. work together. Um, I mean, and you may not work because I mean, even today, every rap artist, men or women, don't work right. with everybody, right? So I right. don't expect you to. You know, just all of a sudden bury your beef with Kim and stuff like that. Right. But I'm just saying, like, all these other new women and stuff, like, come on. Yeah. like I think and sometimes you got to just do things for the culture and do things for the bag. You yes. can do it for the... Because if you work with the city girls, you're going to get a bag, and it's for the culture. Exactly. You, and nowadays, the way the studios work is... And, like, y'all working in the same studio, y'all sending tracks to one another. You I, might get together for a video, but that's it. <laughs> right, that's it. And it's like, Come on, but yeah, I think Nikki's inability to work with women is definitely a stain on her, even on her. I don't say her legacy, 
It is. But no, it really is. I, I would say so because that's going to be the one thing. Like, you had the Cardi. You, I mean, she did a song with Meg, but like, mm-hmm. seemingly, like we said, there's something's going on. Now, you had City Girls. You right. got Lotto. You got all these big women who are doing these things. Right. And you, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, like Beyonce. The only person she hasn't worked with that we would probably love to see her work with is Rihanna. And for whatever right. reason, you know, mm-hmm. that may or may not ever happen. Right. But she has worked with, she's not intimidated by Meg. Oh, she's not, not intimidated by. Right. Um, Nikki, right. uh, and even though they're not, they're not, they're not rappers, but they are big, yeah. you know, out front women, and you know, and I think what Beyonce did to Shakira's joint, she yeah. like she's done Lady Gaga, she's done so many so like much. so much collabs with other women, right? Um, that it's just like you know what I'm saying, like you can like this stuff can happen, right? And if you're supposed to be the um like the queen, right? Mm-hmm. Like think about how um like the idea of like you know. Being that mentor or that like, hey, let me take you under my wing kind of situation, and then shouldn't be a level of intimidation. Like you, you ran the game for a solid ten years. Yeah, like had women's rap on their back when there was like no other women rappers out there, like that were doing any kind of numbers that you were doing. You were doing great numbers. Um, shout out to Missy who all her albums are platinum. Yeah, I saw that. Um, shout out. I don't to know Melissa. if that was Billboard, but it uh, wasn't. But shout out to Melissa. It's, yeah, but other than like, it's like I think it's just like, like what are you doing for the next generation? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing to push the culture forward? And then the women that some of the women that you do you, with these British rap artists and stuff like, come on, you know what you're doing. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah, I feel, um, you know, I feel like I'm gonna jump on that track, but you're not jumping on any tracks with any women who are like killing it, killing it, killing it, who killing it. You know, um, so I don't know. I don't. But anyway, but lastly on the Billboard before we get into some 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 sports related content, okay, uh, is that Brian? Hmm? We were prophetic again. We were. Music Soul Child and Anthony Hamilton are, you know, I know we said we were over verses. Right. But this is one. This is one. I'm going to tune in to. Oh, without a doubt. I'm going I'm to cook me some greens. Yes. And, so, and I'm going to break my diet for this. I'm going to probably find me some fish because that's what, it's I feel so like that's food. what it deserves. It's, oh, it's soul food. I'm, I, I'm, it, right, you like incense, you, you know, oh, yeah. eat soul food. Yeah. Um, you might even drink like some sweet tea. Mm-hmm. Um, you might wear a daishiki. It's or just something. A, a something. Something. It's going to be real black. So we're excited right. about the verses between Music Soul Child and Anthony Hamilton. I'm going to ask you this. It's Black History Month. We just need it. What are you, you going to say? Who you think going to take it? I mean, I know you're, I know you're oh. the music fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. It goes without a doubt. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I've been saying it all along. Music Soul Child is my favorite R&B artist of all time. Of you say all it. time. Tell me one artist who had the first six albums were just absolute like just hits, hits after I hitting mean, like the first six album run like the no whole album whole, like it's just been good like you know so like if and again if I had to pick one R&B catalog it would be Music Soul Child without a doubt probably one catalog other than like John P. Key would be Music Soul Child like, and it's happening on Valentine's Day I'm excited Um, I will say this though I agree with you that I think Music Soul Child is going to have the upper hand. I will say though, Anthony Hamilton got it. Anthony Hamilton, he ain't going to watch Anthony. No, Anthony Hamilton got Anthony it. Anthony Hamilton going to pull that Charlene out, <laughs> Reverend. Listen, baby, I'll be. Listen, sitting there waiting. Uh huh. Anthony, you Hamilton. ain't got a woman, man. He got, he got songs. He got some songs. He bro. got songs. And I know some people who are like, uh, uh, I think my brother-in-law, he's like a, he's an Anthony Hamilton guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, I went to the Anthony. He Hamilton gonna bring concert. out the Hamiltons, bro. Nah, nah, never say music ain't got nothing. When he bring, he ain't got nothing. nothing. He got nothing for the Hamiltons. Nothing for that. But like, I, but I really respect, I really respect Anthony Hamilton. I love Anthony Hamilton. He has great music. He was a background singer for, um, for D'Angelo for many years. 
It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Um, and there's an album that I've been looking for right now that is not sold in the United States. It's, uh, it's D'Angelo Live in Oslo. It's in Sweden. And that is one of the best albums I've ever heard in my life. It's the live version of, uh, of Voodoo and, um, Brown and Brown Sugar. Ooh. And they sing all Ooh. the songs live. Ooh. And Anthony Hamilton, you can clearly hear him in the background singing. It is See, but that's why, you know, jumping to another artist, I said it before, that's why Erica Badu's live album mm-hmm. is my absolute favorite. Like, because oh, she yeah. does a lot of Baduism <clears throat> and Mama's Gun stuff on there. Yep. More so Baduism. Um, but like she basically does Baduism live, and it's, and then she introduces Tyrone on that album. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, so it's just live albums. Where the artists are different because like even Beyonce's Homecoming album, yeah, that's one hits different. Than, it hits. And like your, 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 one of your favorite artists, P.J. Morton, his live album. His live oh live in L.A. Oh my god, live in L.A. was a cl- and that's like you talking about oh six oh seven P.J. Morton. That's like yeah. the real P.J. fans. Yeah. But we're excited about this Valentine's definitely, Day. Definitely, uh, I'm gonna be up. Me and you know me and Ash are probably gonna sit there and rub on each other. Listen, um, you know, and drink thing. some wine and yes. do our thing. Mm-hmm. Live soundtrack, live yes, soundtrack, definitely. Um, so <clears throat> I ain't gonna sing the song. It's Josh Rogers athletic abbreviation. I don't feel like singing it today. Okay. I don't feel like singing it today. We got some news. Louis Vuitton One is uh-huh. coming Valentine's Day weekend as well. Yes, sir. If you don't understand what Louis Vuitton One is, that a Super Bowl LV One. What is that Roman numeral? Nigga, Ryan, I don't know. It's fifty one. <laughs> 50, 56, 56, 56, 56. 56. 56. Okay, Super Bowl 56, we're going to go with today, is, is, is here, and it's coming. The, 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 the AFC and the NFC you know, games mm-hmm. are over, and it's going to be the Bengals of Cincinnati versus mm-hmm. the Rams of Los Angeles. Are you mm-hmm. going for the Rams because you're from L.A.? Yeah, well, I'm, well for, okay, so two reasons. Okay. I'm going for the Rams, one, because they're in L.A. Okay. But also, a good friend of the podcast, friend of real life, well, not really friend of real life, friend of the podcast, OBJ. My friend in real life. He's mm-hmm. a friend of claim to manifest that. Mm-hmm. My best friend in my head, he's... Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> yes. Odell Beckham Jr. is on the Rams. My tattoo inspiration. <laughs> and and they, they got rid of him out of... Uh, they, they made him a scapegoat in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Comes to the, uh, the Rams, doing a great job. About to have a baby on the way, so I want him to win. I want to be. Well, I don't care about that white baby that's on the way. Oh. but I mean, I mean, best of luck to that baby. <laughs> but you know, he could have gave that to a black woman. He could have put his. You know, it happens. He could have put your opinion in a black woman, Odell. But that's that's neither here nor there. But no, we're excited. Are you? Uh, I'm so. I'm probably gonna break my diet for that too. For Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'm, I'm eating my wings. And, yeah, your wings, um, your meatballs, Rotel, and, and, and yeah, and, Rotel. You know, we love a Rotel from Memphis. We love a Rotel. Oh yeah, Rotel. You Rotel. Rotel yeah. and Velveeta. Yeah, that's only time I eat Velveeta cheese. Rotel. Super Bowl. Rotel. Yeah, yeah. some wings and meatballs. And, yeah, definitely. You know, we, you know, we said we have a veggie plate, but it just be it just be celery and ranch. Right. It's, <laughs> it's just there. It's just celery and ranch. You know, it's the blacks there. love their celery and ranch with their wings. Though. They do. Um. But anyway, and then the Super Bowl uh, 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 halftime show. We got Kendrick Lamar. Yep. We got uh, we got Andre. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, Snoop Doggy Dog. Uh-huh. Eminem. <laughs> em- got Monet Tahada. <laughs> yeah, we ain't got happy Eminem. But you know Eminem, Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. Marshall he, he has some good stuff. He makes sense. You know, My he, name is. You yeah, know he makes sense. Uh, yeah, Monet Tahada is gonna be Monet there. Tahada. Yeah, she's gonna be there giving us the four one one. Um, so I'm excited about that. Oh, speaking of Super Bowls, your girl. It wasn't the Super Bowl, but they, she sang the national anthem. And she sang. I ain't heard it yet. She sang. But I believe she sang. Everybody keeps saying she And she, she and She ate. Yeah. She had a picture with Monica afterwards. They put a picture on the... Yes. Look at God reconciling. I mean, they must be friends for real now. Or at least, you know, cordial associates. Sing the boy I think mind. that would be a great tour, sing, honestly. What? Though. 
Kind of, if they did it kind of like Beyonce and Jay Z did, um, the, the Bunny and Clyde on the run thing, yeah. and they just kind of, it wasn't like one headliner. They both were in and out. Yeah, give, give and us they that. got two songs together, so they can definitely close and open together. Like, so. I would without a like how the Millennium Tour was the thing. You can get Brandy and Ma. You get the the homeschool kids and the ghetto kids together in the same yes. building, and then you get like these like the Escape and SWV to open up like something like yes. that. Yes, that'll be a prophet. Listen, we we prophesy. Or if you want to keep it for that young group, you mm. can get like the Mayas and the Ashantis to open up. Oh, and you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you know I, to keep that you know those yeah. younger because SWV numbers. But if you get like a Shanti Maya, <laughs> somebody who really only got one or two, three, four songs mm-hmm. anyway to open, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely go see Brandy Monica see that. in person. I would go see that. I've seen them both in concert in different times, but I would definitely love to see them together. Da, 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 da. I went. Okay, so this is weird. So okay. I actually saw Monica. She opened for Trey Songs. Ooh, that's when Trey Songs had that uh, that Ready album, which is a really good album. Mm-hmm. He um, better be ready. For, he better be ready for the jail. Right. For the <laughs> My God. Hello, somebody. And Wait. lastly, <laughs> in the Josh Ross athletic abbreviations, is that. Y'all knew them as the Washington, the racist Washington Redskins. Uh-huh. They were called out. The only team called out because we're waiting on that. If we're going to do that, you need to go ahead and change the Kansas City Chiefs, mm-hmm. the Atlanta Braves, yep. and the uh, the, uh, the, uh, Cleveland the Cleveland Indians. Yep. All of them need to be changed. Uh-huh. But oh, The Chicago Blackhawks. And them too. If we're doing all of that. But we started with the Washington Redskins. Yep. They were no longer Washington Redskins. They couldn't decide on names. They became the Washington football team. Terrible. And as of today, mm-hmm. they are, drum roll please, <laughs> drum roll please, they are the Washington Commanders. Uh-huh. And they have, and these uniforms are actually really nice. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Washington because my dad mm-hmm. indoctrinated me as a fan of the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys, which uh-huh. means I can't be a fan of Washington, sure can't. Philly, or the New York Giants. I just can't do that. I can't do that. As a, as a, yeah, as a, you know, I know the things. You I know. know I know who in these divisions. You know, you know in the division. My, I talked to my dad the other day. Oh, my daddy told me that I was talking too much telling people about his his, his nickname. <laughs> uh, but he also he also, he also corrected me about how I categorized the NFC and AFC. I think I said. Um, I don't know. I forgot what I said. He said, that ain't what he said. If you're going to say it, I need my son to be politically correct <laughs> and say the right thing. I said, that is satire. He said, I said, I need you to say the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> Man of God, didn't care. he's an avid listener. He's, Listen. a, he's holding down our Gen Z listenership. Right. <laughs> um, but that concludes Josh Rogers' athletic abbreviations and the billboard. Brian, we are sitting here in the living room. Yes. It's Black History Month. And y'all know so every, Black History, every Black History Month, we go ham, mm-hmm. as the as we said in a, in a, in a previous time, mm-hmm. we go ham on the guests, which means we have some amazing guests who yep. always come in and talk about some. You know, I mean, the Jigsaw is a black podcast. It's a black podcast. It's a black podcast. Yes. So, like, celebrating Black History Month for us is like, it's just taking it to another level. Yeah. So, we always have great guests. But this this month, particularly, we've tried to bring in people who can speak directly to some specific black issues. Yep. And we've done that with a good brother um, by the name of Jerome Tennille. He's yep. in the living room. Um, so, if you're ready, brother. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're going to grab our snacks. We're going to grab our drinks. We're going to head on down. Meet Jerome there. And let's have this important conversation. Sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. 
All right, we are here at the living room, and I am extremely excited, as I said earlier, because we do have a special guest For sure. in the living room who is, you know, well acquainted to the lifestyle as far as what we do here at the Jigsaw Podcast uh, to discuss some things here. So we're excited. So before I kind of do an introduction, I want to ask him to introduce himself. So Jerome Tanil, could you please introduce the folks to who you are, what you do, uh, for those that don't already know you? Of course, and I just uh, I just want to first thank you guys for uh, having me here today. Um, I, my name is Jerome Tanil, and I would sort of uh, generally categorize myself professionally as a social impact professional. Um, much of the work that I do is really uh, centered around corporate responsibility, where there is an intersection between um, volunteer engagement, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and uh, sustainability principles, and how companies can ultimately. Uh, become more uh, purpose-driven and more responsible in how they operate. And so I've done that work for about 10 years now. All right, wonderful. Uh, so I guess if we start off real quickly, what, what's your story? Where are you from? What's your background? What's that, what's that look like? So, um, you know, I live on the East Coast now, uh, just outside of the Washington, D.C. area, but I'm actually um, from the West Coast. Oh, um, right. You know, yeah, so, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, I see your, your, your Dodgers uh, apparel, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, I was actually born and raised in um, Inglewood, California. So oh, uh, for tough. those who are not uh, familiar, that's uh, Los Angeles County. Uh, and of course, you know, I've lived uh, in several different places, uh, you know, throughout California, but, um, but that's where I have my roots. Come on, so you so you were feeling all the vibes doing insecure and you <laughs> <laughs> with all the Inglewood references. Um, so that's what's up, man. Again, thanks for being on the show. Let's jump right into the conversation. Um, considering your background, the work that you've done in social responsibility and um, these implementing these DNI practices, what does it mean? Like, what does Black expression mean for you? And what does it mean to live out loud in your blackness, even in corporate spaces? You know, that's. It's tough for me to answer, and but I'll also share um, for those who are tuning in. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm biracial, so my mother is white, my father is uh, black, and um, and living in Los Angeles uh, through the '80s and in the '90s, where there's a lot of uh, racial strife, um, you know that has really shaped who I am and how mm -hmm. I show up in the office today. And so, um, and of course, there's two sides of that coin and what that feels like and how to navigate that. Uh, and it's been really challenging. So nowadays, you know, uh, you know, as I sort of think about your question, um, it's showing up in the way that is authentic to me, regardless of how others might stereotypically um, think that I should show up as mm. a man of color. Mm -hmm. um, because I think there are certain expectations of how I might, um, how I might dress uh, how I might speak, mm -hmm. um, you know, how I might, um, you know, I, I'm very, uh, I love to talk with my hands and sometimes <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, you know, very, very aggressive and, and that can come off as, uh, overbearing. And so it's, it's trying to figure out what is authentic to me in, in a way that is, um, true to myself where I'm not necessarily being influenced by those who are, who might have different expectations of how I should be, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, that does. Yeah, that we makes perfect that. sense. That makes perfect sense. And that kind of goes to a, a topic where we, 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 we kind of reference our TV shows and things of that nature. And we're going to probably jump around a little bit um, where uh, I think sometimes you can have the, the idea and the expectation from multiple parties, right? Um, mm -hmm. Black folks who, 
you know, and Josh probably has had this. I've had this before where, you know, you get in the corporate setting and they're like, well, you're not down. Right. And then you got other people who, you know, microaggressions of the, oh, well, you speak, you speak well. Right. And I think you're yeah, so was, articulate, <laughs> so articulate, right. It's so well mannered. You dress well. Uh, and then Josh had an incident. He always talked about where he was on an elevator with the um, a older a white gentleman who like asked him to do the nay nay, right? So yeah, on the elevator. Uh, <laughs> so I guess what is that pressure? Um, and, and for both sides, for uh, for you know, as being a, a person of color in in a corporate space or in corporate settings, to have to be authentically you and and fight the stereotype from from all parties or all walks, like genders, whatever it is. How does that, how does that look like? I think it's easier for me now and. Ooh. It's easier for me now to navigate because all of those challenges that you're sharing, I had to navigate through elementary school, middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. And that was like such a gauntlet because there's that social expectation or that that social pressure, if you will, um, that you experience from peers and trying to identify with a specific group. And so I'll share a couple of different stories that I, I think will sort of add color to this. Uh, you know, I recall there were times in high school where people would say, well, Jerome, I, I know you're black, but you're not really black. Ooh, ooh, okay. Or they would say things like, well, you know, um, bear with me for a second, you know, say things like, well, you're not you're not you're not really black or, or you're, you're light skinned. And, and they would tease me about that because I was not the same complexion as my father. Um, or, or they would, or, or I would be, um, characterized as, um, being a poser. There was a time in my life where I had my, my hair braided back in, in, in cornrows. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember before doing that, I used to just let my hair sort of poof out in an Mm -hmm. Afro and, um, and, and folks would, would tease me about that. It was almost like I was never good enough Mm. for one side or the other. I wasn't black enough to be black and I wasn't white enough to be white because of my darker complexion. Um, and so now as I'm sort of an adult, you know, in my, um, uh, in my mid thirties, the way that I'm able to navigate that in, in a corporate environment is, is much easier because I, there were all those times that I tripped up, tripped on, mm-hmm. tripped on my, my own feet, tried to meet everybody's expectations and constantly failing and not really understand not really understanding my own identity as a person and now that's much easier because i have a very 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 clear understanding of who i am and my identity and how i want to identify um and so it's given me sort of it's you know through all that trial and error it's given me the opportunity you know hindsight is 2020 and the, to be very comfortable and unapologetic about who I am and how I'm showing up, regardless of what somebody else's expectation is. Right. No, I love that. And on this show, we I think we've um, consistently said a few times that, you know, we can be you know a hodgepodge of different things at the same time mm-hmm. and um, still represent you know ourselves authentically. I like to say that I can like my, my chicken wings fry hard, eat my watermelon, still be degreed and professional and all the things like there aren't any expectations based on stereotypes right. or anything. I just enjoy what I enjoy. I am who I am. And there are some cultural norms, right, that I definitely um, subscribe to. So understanding like how you've navigated like this, this, I, I don't even want to call it duality, but this multi, multi-dimensional um, sense of um, identity, right? Like how, like how has that come to you? I admit, admit 30s, right? 
millennial, have you been able to, I guess, authentically live out all these parts now, right? Like, I know you talked about it like you didn't fit, but like, how does that show up today? Um, I question, so I question the things that I'm doing much less. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, you can turn on the news, uh, or you can read something on Twitter or see a news headline in a newspaper or in a magazine. Um, and you know, there are, I think societal expectations that because of the color of my skin, that I'm voting a specific way or that I'm, um, I'm carrying out something in a very particular way, or I'm saying something, um, in a, in a particular way. And, and I don't do any of those, right? Like, I don't really, I don't really conform to that, that stereotypical idea of what it is to be black. And, and I question that less now. I Mm -hmm. don't feel like I'm any less black because I don't conform to those molds that society has created. Um, and so I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but, but like for me, I, I question myself far less now because Mm -hmm. all that questioning I did when I was a teenager in, in a time of my life where I was still trying to figure out like, like who the heck am I? Mm hmm. No, I get that. Because one, blackness is not a monolith, right? right. Yeah, correct. So, you know what I'm saying? So there is no one way, you know, as much as they like to think they see people, society may see um, an example or one particular person. Like, oh, well, that's all black men or that's all black women. Right. And that's that's just not true. Like we show up and present mm-hmm. in many different ways. And I, me and Brian was having this conversation offline, just talking about some of the the newer shows that are coming out, you know, because we mm. we are really big Insecure and Issa Rae fans here. <laughs> yeah. um, so we were like, well, what are we going to watch now? And <laughs> we were just talking about some of the stuff that's out. Um, Abbott Elementary, um, Grand Crew. And one thing I love about Grand Crew is that it is a representation of a black friend group that we haven't really seen on television in a while. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that. Like, while the show is kind of mid right now, the show is just OK. Uh, <laughs> what I'm loving, what I'm loving about what they're doing, though, is giving us another side. Um, and it's just continuing to show the diversity that exists within our community, um, whether you're biracial, whether you are, you know, you, you just you solely identify as black, whatever it is. Right. It just shows you that there's not one way mm-hmm. that you can show up and present. Um, so that kind of leads us to meet me to the next question. In, 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 in having this or being bold or matter of fact in how you present or questioning yourself less like you use, you know, what are ways in which we can do this in the workspace while still um, having to navigate like what is a very corporate culture? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to pause and, and think about this for a second. I think that's something that on the individual level, like people have to figure out what's going to like work for them best. But, but I can certainly say that I think as people are navigating that corporate culture, I do mm-hmm. think that there is a responsibility in a place for companies to break mm-hmm. down those stereotypes because, yeah. because in the corporate culture, that's where it starts. And I'm going to yep. share one example. So companies, nonprofits, governmental a- agencies, they all talk about being multicultural. Mm-hmm. Um, yet the expectation when they're hiring somebody is that the person, the candidate they're hiring for a position conforms to an already set standard of what uh, the company cultural norm is. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
sort of by default by doing that, they're excluding they're excluding other cultures from from um, from entering. And mm-hmm. so you create this environment within this this you know you create you could create this um, cultural environment within a company that is almost by default like not multicultural because they set the norm and then they say, mm-hmm. well, you don't really fit the culture, so we're not going to hire you. So I certainly mm-hmm. think that on the individual level, the way that people can navigate their their lives in a corporate culture is by you know doing that in a way that is authentic to them, where they don't feel like they're jeopardizing their own personal integrity and their identity as a person, um, and doing that in an unapologetic way, but that's comfortable to them. But then from from the from the corporate perspective, I think that companies, in order to be actually become multicultural, they have to they have to set wider boundaries that are much more broad and saying, okay, got it. Like this is different than who I am and this mm-hmm. is different from the company. But precisely because there is that difference, we want you because we want mm-hmm. to make our company more vibrant. Right. And, and that's a good that's a good point because I feel like, you know, the more you add or allow people to come in who may not necessarily fit your culture, that's when creativity comes. That's when, you know, right. things happen and you yeah. bring somebody from outside. Uh, and that's why sometimes when you bring in like maybe uh, even like a, a new board of directors or mm-hmm. a another person in leadership from a different company who has a completely different mindset, they may come in and shake some things up to kind of, you know, bring in something differently. Um, something we've been hearing a lot of recently within the last couple of years, I, I feel like it, it may have been around, but I feel like I haven't heard it as much recently and until recently is diversity and inclusion. Like where companies all over the world at this point are trying to find mm-hmm. someone um, to fill that role, right? Uh, one of my w- wife's college uh, friends, he's the diversity and inclusion person for NASCAR, right? So it was a big deal, headlines, all that kind of stuff. Uh, my company that I work for, we just got a person diversity and inclusion, um, Southern company, right? all that kind of stuff. So what, why is that important to an organization in, in, in 2020? I, I feel like I know why, but for you as somebody who, who's like, a, you know, works well in that space, uh, why is that important to an organization in 2022? So um, 2020, so I'll, I'll just preface all this by saying that um, our country has um, experienced racial crisis after racial crisis after racial crisis mm-hmm. from the inception of our nation. Um, so that's not new. I think 2020 and with a string of very specific um, injustices, I'm going to use uh, George Floyd's murder as one example, one of several different high profile moments in our country's history yeah. that um, that very clearly showcased what I think folks like us know and have seen, mm-hmm. but did that demonstrated that in a way that now other people can no longer be blind to it or, or turn their head. And mm-hmm. so um, when that happened, I think it was almost like a light bulb moment for not just individuals, but even like larger corporate entities mm-hmm. um, and their governing bodies to say, well, the systems that, you know, the systems of change that got us to this point today are no longer good enough to get us to make the transformational change that we all want to see moving forward. And the only way that you're able to to rectify that is one, um, acknowledging that you have an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second part of that is taking action. And so I think over the last two years, um, you know, 
I have, I too have seen, you know, during the height of the pandemic, when, when people, hundreds of thousands of people were being laid off, mm-hmm. people were still hiring diversity, equity, inclusion, yeah. mm-hmm. justice professionals. It was like, right. if you went on to Indeed or, uh, or LinkedIn, it yep. was it was that like that is who everybody was hiring yep. even while they were laying off hundreds hundreds of thousands of people and so um so it so that's the the, the long answer that i'm just going to sum up with this is um it's important because you have to invest the, you have to invest monetarily into the things that you want to absolutely see change within your own company um, and, and so, you know, that is, you know, the, the hiring trend on diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice professionals sort of at large over the last two years is an indication that people care about it more than I think that they ever have. Right. Uh, and no longer can they just give lip, lip service to it. Right. They have to put in one of the most important, um, resources into that position, which is money and hiring somebody mm-hmm. who's going to do it and who's going to do it well. Okay. So, so I work in DNI as well. Um, and it's, and we're starting our program from scratch, you know, figuring out strategies, working with consultants and making sure that we have best practices and things in place. And you are absolutely right, right? You have to have some of the right people at the table who are going to advocate and, and, and push. And, you know, I've already had some really tough conversations with colleagues about resources that we're deploying and they want to you know, like change our language. And I'm like, nope, this is this is staying right here. These are some of the things we need to say, some of the <laughs> things you need to hear. Um, what are some of the ways, though, I guess, like how can, you know, I'll, if, if you're not a part of the ENI team, if you're just a person of color, you know, working in an organization, how can you advocate, you know, toward those, you know, toward that team, to that person and say, hey, here are some of my challenges. Here are some of the things we would love to see in an organization. And then part two of that conversation is, you know, after the because it, I, I think if I would be a little honest, I do think some of these organizations and businesses responses were very reactive. Right. And they were just True. responding in the height of the moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of them just have just they still are just have really fancy statements and just have a person in place and may or may not be doing anything more. How can organizations like continue to cultivate this culture of support and inclusivity? So I have um, three or four different answers. The, the 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 first answer that I'll uh, that I'll give uh, first and foremost is I'll, I'll preface all this by saying that um, I think in any instance where a person of color has to advocate for the things that they want to see changed, there is an additional burden that they're going to face, um, mm. and so that's the, you know that I I want to acknowledge that because I think we've seen a lot of that over the last two years, um, a person of color saying okay well. I need to be the change that I want to see. And it starts with me saying something to my leadership or to my HR. And there is an, there is a, there is an enormous burden emotionally, psychologically, physically for people to do that. Um, The the three ways that I think anybody can sort of go about doing this is um, at many companies, there are oftentimes, well, I'm not going to say many companies, but at many large companies or mid-sized companies, you do have your employee resource groups. I think Mm -hmm. that is oftentimes the the first and most immediate place where somebody can say, okay, how do I create change? How do I gather at the grassroots level? And how do I get collective consensus amongst those 
amongst this group, this community that I belong to, regardless of the, the type of ERG it is, um, that's probably the first place where you can seek that refuge and the allyship to, to make mm. that sort of groundswell change yeah. within a company. Um, let's be real. Uh, ERGs don't exist at um, at a lot of companies, and 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 uh, truthfully, they don't exist at some large companies, um, which is a whole different conversation for a, probably a different day and offline. But um, the the second way that I think anybody can do this is very similar to to how you might approach an ERG. It's about um, it's about um, creating allyship and consensus building. Right. Like if you have a pain point or if there are certain things, policies, guidelines, things that you want to see change within your own company, um, build that consensus um, amongst yourself, your peers, allies, um, maybe your your you know leadership within a company that you're comfortable having those conversations with and, and starting on those things incrementally, um, maybe not necessarily um, shooting for the moon first, but trying to get those small quick wins first and foremost that you can then rally behind right um you know one of the things that i always say you know when i especially in the work that i do when it's partnership development if there's a a major ask that i want to get um a yes for Mm -hmm. i don't i don't ask for marriage on a first date so it's about trying to figure out it's you know trying to get those those small incremental wins Mm -hmm. so that way once you get, you know, weeks, months, and you get those small, uh, those small victories, then it's like, okay, well, what are these big policy changes that I want to advocate for? We've had several, we've had several small wins. Since those small wins have been created, we have also created the proof points for why these, these actions are better, why these actions and activities are better. And then it's you know being able to to compile all that data to say well this is these are all the reasons why we need to continue doing this and here's the next big ask the, that I'm going to make of of the company um, and of course there are certain procedures that you might have to take if it's sure. human resources or through your you know directly through your manager um, and those things might might be a little nuanced depending on on the company but but those are the places that I would I would certainly start the last thing I'll sort of share. Uh, and this makes it much easier is when that affirmation or that um, mental permission might be given to you from the top. That is when it becomes much easier because you you can recognize almost immediately that there's less resistance or that there's going to be less resistance because the person at the top who's a leader of that company or that department has said, these are the priorities. These are the things that I'm verbally saying are important. And oh, by the way, I'm also looking for champions to help me do this. Um, and when that happens, of course, um, making those inroads to, to making that change is much easier uh, when you're able to, to hear that from the top. Wow. Okay. So at this point, you said leadership is extremely important uh, in an organization. I think I saw uh, uh, or read something recently. I think they said like, only like four of like the Fortune 500 companies have like a black CEO or something like that. It was like a pretty small number. Um, so I guess what is, you know, we don't have a lot of CEO, we're not a lot of representation in the corporate space. So how do you see the future in terms of, you know, having those areas of progress and getting those small places of victory? 
um, that could potentially be a little more beneficial to uh, people of color in a corporate space? Like what is, um, I guess, what do you predict the future to be? Or if you, were, if you were a person that can foresee the future, what do you think that looks like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Uh, you know, that's, that's really hard to tell. Um, look, I'll, the, the first thing I'll say is I'm, I'm very positive about the, the future. And I'm saying that as somebody who um, I am as much of a realist as you could possibly get, like so much so that people are like, why are you always so negative, Jerome? I'm like, I'm not a negative. I'm a realist, <laughs> right? Like there is a reality that we're sitting in and I, I don't sit on hopes and dreams. Um, but I'm actually very positive for the outlook, um, you know. Um, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but what it does mean, and I think we're starting to see this, um, especially um, in education, we're starting to see this on how companies are really prioritizing uh, voices of color and are using a practice uh, in, you know, some uh, organizations and, and companies are using a practice called decentering, where they're actively decentering historically dominant voices. And, and really elevating voices of color in not just their leadership ranks, but then also like their supplier diversity. Like who are they partnering with? Who are their vendors partnering right, with? Right, right. Uh, you know, how are they elevating the small business CEO by purchasing from minority led companies? Mm, and how are they true. integrating that into their supply chain? How are they redistributing wealth, but through... Um, the, the, the processes and the policies that they have in terms of, of, of the vendors that they're supporting and how they're spending their money as a company and how they're creating their goods and services. Um, so, I, you know, so I'm, I'm, I feel very positive and maybe I'll look back in 15 to 20 years from now and be like, Jerome, you fool. <laughs> you should have known better, but, but I, but I, but my gut doesn't tell me that because right. I see that type of action being taken on a, of course, there's a spectrum of what that looks like and, and to what degree companies are doing that, but I feel mm. very positive about it. And the last thing I'll, I'll share on this one is, um, education institutes, I think are doing a much, um, and of course this is optically, Optically, it feels like education institutes, your two and four year uh, universities, um, they're doing a much better job at positioning uh, MBA programs and programs that are that have been historically focused on, um, you know, other communities. Um, they're doing a much better job at recruiting uh, black talent for these programs, understanding that you know, we are the future and we right. can, we can manage businesses. We, we can do that. Um, and, yep. and sometimes that really starts with, with um, the education pipeline and what that means for a potential future um, talent pipeline for companies. I love that. Um, you have a, something else that I love. You have a blog called mm -hmm. Responsible AF and you know, we, we, we love the title of that. We love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and, and you, you, you have this kind of moniker behind your name of like architecting social social good. Explain to us exactly what you mean by that. So social good, um, it can come in a lot of different things. And it's a very it's and it's a very, very, very vague and general two words, social good. But what is social good? Well, um, social good could be the result of grassroots level advocacy, informal okay. engagement at the community level peer helping peer, 
a neighbor helping neighbor, um, even something as simple as you're uh, elevating uh, a community's voice by uh, by peaceful protesting and marching. Um, that creates social good. Mm-hmm. Um, social good could be your corporate responsibility program. That is um, whereby you have a very specific strategy for your company to serve communities where you do business. Right. Um, social good could be, um, you know, how we look at our place within the environment and, you know, adopting more sustainable or, uh, you know, sustainable uh, practices as an individual or even as a company, how we're buying goods and services. Um, Social good could be something as small business development and thinking Mm -hmm. about it from, you know, economic development for minority, uh, for minority communities or minority led uh, small businesses. Um, It's a very, very, very vague term, but there's so much that could be considered social good. Uh, okay, so uh, talking about social good, um, I'm trying to think of something in terms of that we can use to kind of point that out in terms of a, a broad sense of of life. And when it comes to social good, in terms of organizations, like most companies have like a foundation, they you know do certain things in the neighborhood, in the communities. Um, what do you think is like a major fail that companies think that they're doing? Um, you know, and I wanted to say it earlier because you know companies would be do stuff like you know. Give everybody Juneteenth off. Like what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I take that off anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like or, yeah. um, or Nancy Pelosi do... putting on the kente cloth and, and right performative. In the right. What are some performative <laughs> fails that oh, you gosh. see um, that like that yeah. companies, organizations, people, whatever it is, should just you know just just not do that. That that that's a fail. Just not do that. Yeah. So uh, I'll point out one that I think is very obvious that people see all the time and is pointed out on Twitter, like like crazy and then i'm going to share a second one which i which i is almost like it's almost like a silent killer it's like a, it's like it's <laughs> okay. almost yeah it's like it's like a it's like a wolf like just like in sheep's clothing mm-hmm. so the first one it, you know and you you referenced the, the performative allyship the virtue signaling um mm-hmm. companies um have a habit of doing this all the time and uh, and i think to one of your earlier points it's all very reactionary right uh, mm-hmm. They want to be on the right side of history, so they get yeah. on the Twitter, they create the press, the press release, and they say, "Well, you know, we saw we saw A, B, and C, and this is our company's stance, and we support this specific community." And then that's it; like that's all <laughs> that happens, right? They pledge great work over X number of years, and then all of a sudden they have this this you know this Twitter banner that they can always point to at that moment in time where they said. Well, look, look at what we did. Look at what we say we believed in and champion. So we're on your side. That's probably the most obvious thing that you see. But if if I'm going to point to something that is almost like like a <laughs> this is one that I think um, some people don't really see as like a bad thing. Okay. Um, the way that some in strategic philanthropy fund organizations. And so when I'm talking about strategic philanthropy, think about your corporate foundations, mm-hmm. your large uh, family foundations or community mm-hmm. foundation that grants, you know, six, seven figure uh, multi-year grants, right? Your right. $1 million over three years to fund X, Y, and Z. That's what I mean by strategic philanthropy. And what we know of philanthropy at large is that it is historically dominated by people 
by 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 groups and leadership figures who are um, oftentimes uh, white, Caucasian, or European descent. So okay. from a wealth from a wealth perspective, mm-hmm. that is where a lot of the strategic philanthropy, the money that is being issued to nonprofits and communities sits. The, okay. the issue with that is that it is largely homogenous. Mm. And so homogenous entities think in a homogenous way. And so when they're thinking in a, in a homogenous way, they're oftentimes taking action towards things that they may not immediately understand, or they're mm. taking action against something but in the same way as their as their peers in strategic philanthropy, so they're all trying to solve complex issues in the same way. Um, and so, when we're looking at strategic philanthropy, one of the issues that I see is how they not just accumulate their wealth, but more specifically, how they issue their wealth as these large entities, because they're because they're they're doing that in a homogenous environment where everybody is oftentimes thinking too much alike to solve these critical issues. Um, And and the way that the process in which strategic philanthropy is granting funds to serve communities sometimes just actually perpetuates the, the, the root issues that we're actually trying to solve. So it's almost like they're self-sabotaging their, their selves and they don't even know it because Mm. Be, well, mostly because they're homogenous organizations or they're homogeneously led organizations. Um, and, and so that to me is like the big flaw when we're looking at corporate philanthropy or just strategic philanthropy um, more broadly, the issuing of these large f- sums of money to communities, um, the, the process is, is, is incredibly flawed and because it's incredibly flawed, there is a chance that they're actually just perpetuating the inequities that they're that they're purporting to like rid our society of. <laughs> that makes sense. All right. And even kind of thinking back on that, you kind of see some things where companies or organizations will they'll throw some money out there, but then their their employees are living in poverty. Right. So it's kind of like, yes, <laughs> like you're, you're pledging all this money to end, you know, um, you know, to food banks and all these things. But meanwhile, you have employees who you're paying, you know, pennies on the dollar who are and, going to the same food banks. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you can easily yeah. just yeah, absolutely. Do better. <laughs> yes. I always find that interesting. To, and somebody always told me to follow the money, like the legitimate money, uh, to really do some research into organizations. Um, when I was in school, um, and, you know, and CSR was like a big thing. Like, you know, and following that and figuring out, uh, I think there was just a number that said that most millennials like really care about, you know, social responsibility. They really care about where the money's mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. and, you know, they'll make purchases solely based off of, you know, the background of the company. Uh, are they black owned? Are they, you know, um, are they allied with certain organizations and groups and communities? Right. So and I, I'm kind of similar to that. I really care about what the company is doing. And if I find out the company's like, you know, other than Amazon, I, Amazon has a chokehold on me. <laughs> has a chokehold so on most sorry. of us, man. <laughs> um, I know they're not the most corporate responsible company out there, but I definitely subscribe to Prime and I get that one day <laughs> shipping. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones here and there, but I, I just, I just find it kind of interesting that, um, that organizations, they, they, they talk it, they say it, you know, uh, but they really don't match it. And to your point earlier, like when George Floyd, the whole, right after that, every company came out and said stuff. 
every single organization mm-hmm. said something, but now we're like two years later and you're not seeing, you know, further action that everyone put out a Twitter statement, everyone put out a commercial, but you're not seeing any, any sustainable action or any, you know, growth in that area. So that's my piece. I wanted to kind of piggyback on, on what you were saying. I thought that was interesting. Josh, you got anything? Yeah. But to even lean into that more, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how we get silent after some of the, the more public, and viral moments, right? Because, like, right now, um, you know, doing the Ahmaud Arbery case, like, the organization that I work for, you know, there was nothing going on, right? And while we did, you know, while those those men were convicted of murder, you know, the, the tensions, the mental, like, anguish that it had on us watching that, you know, saying it's just going to be another one of those times where they get off, right? Um, I think we, we don't talk enough about how creating a culture of support also means investing in, you know, not just mental health for people of color, but understanding that specifically we are triggered often. Yeah. And <laughs> by a lot of things, especially oh, yeah. with Black History Month coming up, you know, we've been watching Women of the Movement, you know, based on the um, the Mamie Till story. And it is triggering because um, it, 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 it has humanized Emmett Till, who we didn't, you know, we didn't really see him as a human being. We saw, a picture. you know, that we saw we saw three pictures, one of him by himself, him and his mom. And then, of course. You know, the picture of him in his casket. And now that we're, you know, beginning to, you know, to humanize this young man is bringing up all these emotions, even though you knew what happened. Um, so I guess the question that I'm asking is, you know, how can corporations, nonprofits, whomever be more responsible in their continued action? Right. Of understanding how we can, you know, not just not just have these DNI initiatives and things that we put out there external, but internally, right? Cultivate this continued culture of support too. And it makes me think about the whole thing about how they a lot of companies make a vow. We're not going to be racist, but they don't go to the <laughs> next step to say that they're going to be anti-racist, right? <laughs> so, 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 so how can we fully buy into it all, right? So this is something that continues to grow and develop as the world continues to grow and develop. Gosh, that is it's so complicated. And, and I think one of the one of the issues is that it is such a complicated issue, but people like to simplify things, right? Mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of companies they're they're looking for turnkey. Well, we got to simplify it. We got to put it on a one pager or a two pager. It's got to be easily digestible. But when you make something turnkey, when it makes it when it becomes easily digestible, then it, you're you're actually like losing a whole lot that that exists and you're you're actually losing like a, a lot of the the meaning and the actual rigor that it requires to like yes yeah like right some of these wrongs um and so i don't know that i have a great answer um you know in terms of support um i'm going to use i'm going to use um two very specific uh answers you know i think right now what i've seen uh, within the, especially within a corporate space, a lot of companies are talking about mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's not nothing new. Like we've, mm-hmm. like we're all humans, and we have all been dealing with stuff since we've been born. And um, certain, uh, you know, uh, there have been certain instances in all of our lives where we have been traumatized, and and the black community certainly traumatized. Um, and every time that we see an event. Um, or a TV show, like there are TV shows that I've watched and I'm just like, oh my, like I'm choking up inside and I don't even know why, but then mm-hmm. as I'm sitting there digesting it, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's exactly why I was, you know, sitting there choking up over this. Um, companies are talking about mental health, but, but they're not 
you know, and, and they might share like an app or they might say, oh, well, here's a resource or, you know, <laughs> you know, here, here's something that you can take a look at. And it's like easy and turnkey and you can do it in, in your, you know, like at lunchtime. That's that's not going to solve um, a lot of these things. I think we, we also we have to be able to have a safe space within our in, in our um, places of work where we can comfortably talk about these things that make us incredibly uncomfortable and that um, hurt us deeply to be able to talk about these things. And so here are the two different examples. Um, when George Floyd was murdered, um, I remember sitting here and I've been working from home for two years now, I think like um, a lot of us. Um, and I remember watching the TV and I was so in shock, not that I, not because I never believed that these things, you know, not because I didn't believe these things were happening. Right. Like I lived in Los Angeles during, uh, you know, the Rodney King, uh, the LA riots. Like I've, I've seen some of this stuff. Um, But watching it on TV in that moment, I remember for for days afterwards, like I couldn't think, I couldn't work. There were a lot of things that I could not, I could not psychologically and physically do that mm-hmm. I would have otherwise been able to do. Um, and in that specific moment, um, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, in hindsight, I, I don't know that I had the right resources uh, around me other than just my um, you know, uh, those who are close to me in my own personal network. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forwarding to last year, um, and this is a, a not related to the black community, but um, you know, I'm a veteran. I didn't share that during my introduction, but I served in the military for uh, for eight years. And um, watching the um, the debacle and how we pulled out of Afghanistan. Mm. immediately there were days days on end where i felt so hurt watching the tv that i could not i could not focus on the work that i'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. from you know from nine to five monday through friday um and i i, I again quickly realized that uh, you know i didn't i didn't have any specific resources that i could that i could use um so why why am i sharing all this i'm sharing all this because I think companies, they have to do, uh, uh, they have to, companies have to do a much better job at really getting into the minds of their mm-hmm. associates and their employees, figuring yep. out like, what are those triggers? What are those things that are impacting you the most? Having a soundboard to collect that and then, you know, d- doing the, the co-designing of things that like employees want. Um, mm-hmm that allow employees to like have the resources that they feel like they need. And in those moments, have the support network within the company in a way that those employees like need, Um, you know, companies have to do a much better job at understanding that employees, when they show up at the work site or the place of work in the office, they they bring them their, their full selves. Yep. They bring their full selves and I bring yeah. all my emotional and psychological baggage along with that. Oh, and I can't, <laughs> and I cannot turn it off. I cannot yeah. turn that off when I, when I enter and then turn it back on the moment that I go back out to my car and like depart for the day. Um, and, and I think companies are starting to become a little bit more wise that, you know, at understanding that, you know, people bring their full selves to work. But I think 
Um, you know, to the original question, I think companies really have to get into that nitty gritty mindset and yep. create these safe spaces that allow people to like grieve in these oh, moments, yeah. like oh, yeah. in the mm-hmm. office and, and being okay with it. Like it's okay to cry at the office. It's okay that your colleagues and coworkers see you crying. Right. Um, you know, and so removing the stigma of that, removing the, you know, these, these things that might've been taboo and saying, gosh, like we just have to accept people for everything that they are and, and allow that in the workspace. Um, and, and I, and companies have to figure out like, how, how do we create the space that allows that in an appropriate manner? Yeah, that's, t- that's a great point. And to your point, like I remember during that, uh, we have my, the team I used to work on, I moved to a different department, but the team I used to work on, it was about 15 of us, maybe a little bit more, like 50% of us were black. Um, and then after, mind you, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, so mental health is already a thing, stress, right? Um, and we, our team traveled a lot, so we're set at home. And then on top of that, George Floyd gets murdered. Everybody sees it on TV, and nothing is ever said about it. Like no one asked mm-hmm. how we're doing. Mm-hmm. No one, you know, mentioned anything. So I think, I, to your point, I think people should just, if anything, just say, "Hey, how are you doing?" And they don't even have to really care. But if they ask me, like, "How am I doing?" and I it allowed me to express my true feelings or emotions regarding the situation, because we all seen it. Like every single person in the world, well, in the United States, if anything, saw what happened yeah. and. And, you know, I think sometimes they don't uh, certain people don't have the words to say, but sometimes you don't really need the words to say. Sometimes you need to allow people just to say this, is how I feel. I'm frustrated. And what happened is all the black folks on the team, we got on a Zoom call and just uh, in and just really expressed our emotions. Some people were crying. Some people were, you know, uh, just doing all the things just to get it out so that we can get back on the, the, the departmental Zoom and and focus on our jobs. So that was a, a to your point. That was a great point. Um, Great conversation so far. So let's wrap it up. If you have to give any advice, really quick tips, uh, some advice that, or last few words that you want to give out regarding uh, what we can do in the world to be better, uh, to be an architect for, you know, for social good or anything like that. Give us a few words um, before we head out. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we can all, you know, people, they think about, oh, well, you can you can give your time, you can give your your money, you can give your treasure to an organization or community or whatever. Um, I'm not going to suggest that specifically. What I'm going to suggest is um, <laughs> we, we can all, well, you know, and, and that's like a big part of my job. Like that's what I, that's what I do every single day of my life is try to figure out how to, you know, allocate resources. Um, but I'm going to share one thing that doesn't require a, re- a resource. Um, you can just be kind. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Easy. Like that doesn't require anything. It doesn't require your time or your money. It doesn't right. require you to, to give any sort of in-kind resource or a gift to anybody. It's not material. Be kind right. uh, to not just other people, but also yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, be kind to yourself. Be kind be to other people. Be a good person. Be a good person. You know, yes. that's, that's what it is. <laughs> that's so easy. That's, Why is it so hard for some people? Though? Right. <laughs> be a good human. And I think it's such a lost art. There's a bunch of terrible humans. So we're going to change that. Be a good human. <laughs> so simple. No conversation. All right. So speaking of being good humans, uh, we're wrapping up here. Thank you. Thank you there very much, Jerome, uh, for having the living room conversation. We're going to go over to real quick, our, though, Brian. Oh, sorry. Um, before we move to the next segment, Jerome, tell the people uh, oh. how they can connect with you and maybe some yep. things that you have going on. Yeah. So um, people can connect with me on my uh, on my website. It's uh, JeromeTenille.com. 
Um, and, you know, really uh, what I have going on for 2022 is to do less. Um, and that's going to sound crazy, but uh, I am in the process of, <laughs> of doing less in 2022 and saying no more often. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, we said that was the theme of our year, too. So look at, look, yeah. look at this alignment. <laughs> 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 All right, definitely. We appreciate that. So let's go over to a uh, black person or person self care. Everybody's right, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right, we are here at Black Person Self Care. Everyone needs self care, so we're going to include everyone here. But uh, we are black folks, so we want to make sure we are at least uh, taking care of ourselves. Uh, so uh, I'm going to first start with you, Jerome. What is something you're going to be doing or something you're doing regularly? Uh, routine, whatever it is, to take care of yourself? Uh, so those who know me personally, um, they know that I'm an avid runner. Um, it's been it's been a couple of years since I've actually raced, but uh, I, um, I compete in ultra marathons. And so these are distances of uh, 26.2 and greater. So, uh, so uh, in 2019 and, and before the pandemic, um, these are races that were uh, 50 kilometers and 50 milers. Um, and so for me, um, even though I've not been racing over the last two years, um, off, uh, you know, obviously because of the pandemic, um, I still run. I still okay. run. I make sure mm -hmm. that I'm running and staying physically active and fit because for me, um, that is that is my meditation, right? Um, mm -hmm. My running, my ability to 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 get out, uh, and I did that this morning as well. And I, I'm an early riser, but uh, I ran seven miles this morning, and it's an opportunity Jesus. for for me to um, to really clear my head, to focus, to have Jerome's individual solo quality time, um, and I'm able to um, to get a reprieve in the day. Um, and that's really how I start my day. Um, and I can't, you know, say um, more than enough, you know, fitness, I think is a is a really good way for, for people to not just bust the stress, but then mm -hmm. also find their own zen. And that's how I do it. No, I agree. I, I, I actually, I'm actually, you know, was taken aback of how lightly said, so, you yeah, I got up this morning and I, I ran seven for miles. Breakfast. It was just <laughs> for breakfast. Seven miles. <laughs> 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 uh, but no, I definitely agree. I'm going to. Um, piggyback on that a little bit. Um, I will not be running seven miles, but I am going back <laughs> to uh, a hit boot camp. Brian, you know, I haven't been to Effect I Fitness know. Boot Camp on a Saturday in a while. Okay. It is ridiculously intense, and um, I'm going to make my way on back this Saturday. So that's going to be it's going to be good. I've been working out with my trainer, but I haven't had the boot camp aspect in a while. So we're going to do that. How about you, bro? I'm going to go to sleep. I, I don't okay. sleep enough. <laughs> I really don't sleep enough. I'll be honest with you. I, I do a lot of traveling and ripping and running. Um, I stay up like late, wake up early. Uh, so I'm going to try to do better on my sleeping. Uh, less grogginess. I think I could do better. And then maybe I can start running like uh, Jerome. I think I can probably do that. I used to run back in the day. I haven't ran a mile. I'd love in to see that. Years. <laughs> I'd love to see that, Brian. <laughs> Me too. I yeah. would love to see it too. <laughs> People, you heard it here. Um, but anyway, Jerome, thanks oh, again for, I'm serious. I'm dead for joining serious. us. Uh, we're going to and we're going to hold Brian accountable to this. Uh, to yeah, I'm, I'm at least serious. one mile. At least one. At least I, one. I feel, mile. I, he said he runs seven in the morning. Like, and I probably can't even do like one right now. That's 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 terrible. We all got to start somewhere. We do. We start somewhere. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap this thing up. Yep. All right, we are here at a great conversation where we get some things off of our chest because, you know, niggas be nigging, crackers be cracking, 
and we got to get it off our chest because this it's just. It's, it's just, just what it is. It but is before we get into it, we just yeah. want to let y'all know that we didn't forget. We skipped the P.O. Box on purpose this yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Um, we, we will come back next week, maybe uh-huh. answer one or two questions. Next week is Valentine's. It is. It'll be the Valentine's Day episode. Yep. Um, so if you have specific questions about Valentine's Day, maybe we'll infuse the P.O. Box with uh-huh. the living room and answer some of y'all questions ooh. right there in the middle. Y'all be good. And ooh. So, good. yeah, so we're saving all that. So, if you Save have a letter. All my love. Ooh, come on, Nippy. For you. <laughs> uh, so, if you have a letter about love that you already submitted, we're mm-hmm. going to make sure we get into the inbox, uh, see what Rodney Jenkins has, and we'll read it. And But if not, we're going we're gonna to skip that letter. We'll read yours later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're answering all love letters. You got relationship letters that you want us to read, to talk about. You want to invite someone, please send them to askthejigsaw at gmail.com, yep. and we will possibly read them out on the show. Um, Brian, yep. what do you have that you want to get off your chest? This week. Um, the NFL. We're already talking about the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, the racist NFL. I'm still watching Super Bowl. I'm I'll boycott next year. Um, but shouts out to you gonna do what to it next year? Boycott next year. Okay, <laughs> I'm watching Super Bowl. Oh, what you said boycott? Oh, I, was boycott. Just, I, was just, I was just trying to make sure we was on. We was doing the same thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, so after the Super Bowl, we support you know LA team and all that kind of great stuff. So uh, Brian Flores, um, he's not a part of the the. the Great conversation, but he's actually suing the National Football League for just, you know, discrimination, racism. And just to give some context to it, uh, for those that do not know, um, the NFL has this thing called the um, the Rooney Rule, which was instituted by the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? So right now in the National Football League, we currently only have one, count of one black Head coach, and that is Mike Tomlin, who's been in the NFL as far as coaching, head coaching, um, for the last 15 years, right? So for the last 15 years, he's been uh, coaching the NFL, right? And he's only had one losing season in the last 15 years, right? So think about this. The, the only black head coach in the NFL has not had a losing season in the last 15 years, and the owner is the one that instituted the rule the ruling rule, which requires um, uh, any NFL team where you're doing a hiring for head coaching position to have a diverse field of candidates, which includes uh, minority hires. All right. So Brian Flores, the, uh, his head coach of the Miami Dolphins, you know, is suing the NFL because he feels that he's been discriminated against because it was leaked that uh, by Bill Belichick that he congratulated him on a job that he hadn't even interviewed for. So basically, it was kind of like we're going to interview this guy knowing that he's not going to get the job and it really doesn't have a fair shake in this um, opportunity. So I'm, the NFL always continues to show itself as being um, definitely uh, anti-black other than using black folks as far as human capital. I think the NFL is over 70% black in terms of you know players, um, but there's no um, uh, majority black owners. I think there's only two or three GMs, currently one black coach at the moment. Um, so, yeah, great conversation, man. Like, the NFL, I, I don't know if they're ever going to change. I'm definitely praying for Brian, Brian Flores. I do believe that there's something he's doing for the greater good to push the culture forward. There's nothing he can stand to gain personally from this because it's probably going to give him the Kaepernick um, blackballing effect. Um, but I definitely want to give a salute and, and prayers up to him uh, for what he's doing to push the culture forward and look out for not just him, but look for, for every person coming forward who wants to be a coach uh, who is a minority. Uh, in the NFL. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, that's what I got. I want to, I'm um, not, it's going to be real quick. Um, 
this is not so much a greater conversation, but a warning. Okay. In terms of Black History Month, um, we already know that corporations are oh, going yeah. to, oh, yeah. you know, try to up their black game and you know do the proverbial, you know, um, performative actions of yes. putting on kids their cloth and all this other kind of stuff. Don't do that. Please don't. What I will say is that save space in your organizations for black people to celebrate right. and to be authentic. They, I mean, they should feel like they could be authentically themselves all the time, but save space for them to be out loud. So right. if they wear the shirts that says Black Proud, if they mm-hmm. wear the Black Lives Matter movement shirt, stuff like that, they right. are not bucking up against any of your systems or policies. Right. It's just our time to celebrate our heritage, like to intentionally celebrate our heritage, yep. right? It is, it is just like anything. Like when we talk about like from a Christian context, how we celebrate Christmas and Easter, we talk about the resurrection all year. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if, if, if you're really into church, if you're a preacher and stuff like that. But something about Easter... Mm-hmm. We celebrate the resurrection specifically, right, right, right? right? If you believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know, we talk about it all the time. Right. We celebrate it all the time. But something about Pentecost allows us to lean in into it. And it's like anything, even with our heritage. I think, in, like, I celebrate being alive every single day. We talk about it on the podcast. Yep. It's a great day to be black, yep. great day to be alive. But something about my birthday. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, our birthdays, we're going to celebrate a little bit more because we're specifying that particular time. Yep. That's the, it is the same concept with Black History Month. Yep. We recognize our blackness, uh, particularly on this podcast. We shout out black businesses every single week. Yep. We talk about black topics. We highlight what black people are doing. So we are not doing anything different, but we are specifically focusing in on yep. um, our black heritage, mm-hmm. our achievements, what we're doing now, past, present, and future. So what I'm saying is allow these people to live authentically and out loud in their blackness. And if you don't understand something, ask. Mm-hmm. Do not assume. Right. Do not try to shut down. And if you are offended, take time to learn, to be educated. Yep. Um, if, if, if at any point of the year black people are probably more likely to educate you on some things this month yep. than any other time because we are already in that headspace. Um, but you ain't got to change your logo to black, green, and yellow. You don't. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or red, green, and yellow, per se. You ain't got to do all these other kind of stuff. We would like a statement yep. to acknowledge our history yep. the same way that you acknowledge, you know, Women's History Month and Hispanic History, you know, Heritage right. Month and yep. all these other months that commemorate historical moments and figures and people. Uh, we, so we would love a statement. We would love some programming, but don't throw nothing together. You right. know what I'm saying? If you ain't got nothing together, then that's fine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let's think about how we do that next year. Definitely. Um, I called out a CEO <clears throat> of a last company. It was a black-owned organization. We did nothing for Black History Month. Terrible. I called them out um, via HR. They had a meeting about it, and I, I exposed myself and tried to keep it. I said, I was the one mm-hmm. who sent the email, and we had a conversation, <laughs> and thankfully, the ERG, we was forming a black ERG, mm-hmm. so things, so my email, you know, had progress right. to come. Now, you know, I, I left that company, and some other things happened, but, you know, uh-huh. so we're not going to that, but my point is, is that um, make sure that make sure that you're not overperforming and you're not almost being condescending right. by doing stuff um, just to appease us. Save right. space for us. Definitely. Create programming that's authentically and and more appropriately led by Black people and uh-huh. Black um, employees. Yep. Um, and let's enjoy this month and celebrate the, all the beauty that exists because this country, creativity, and culture none of that would exist without Black people. Right. So let's make sure we celebrate it in a way um, that is not offensive. Um, anything else, Brian? That's it. And if that is, um, with that being said, understood and accepted, uh, this has been another episode of GXL yep, Podcast. I want to thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Jerome. Thank you for Jerome. coming. You're amazing. Uh, man, you dropped some great gems. Yep. We appreciate you. And you gave some real dope insight. Um, I don't think we ever had a conversation about um, blackness in terms of interracial, the no, intersection of interracial. Have it, have it. Um, so thank you for doing that. And thank yes. you for being open and vulnerable to having that conversation on our platform. Um, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Um, Brian, tell them what we got going on and how they can follow us. Uh, definitely. Uh, we got some 
things coming up this year and summer. So put summer, uh, June in your calendar. Mm-hmm. Save the date uh, because we have something coming up for everyone uh, to celebrate with us. Uh, in addition to that, make sure you do all the things that we always ask you to do. Make sure you like, subscribe uh, to our podcast. We can find ourselves, you can find us on any podcasting platform you can think of. Uh, we're on social media, the Jigsaw Podcast. Follow Josh at I am Josh Rogers. Follow me at I am Brian Hare. Yep. Check out the website, thejigsawpodcast.com. Uh, and definitely, definitely, definitely continue to support. Let the people know uh, in terms of uh, if you love the podcast, let us know. Let people know about the podcast. And that's pretty much it. We appreciate you. We love you. Before we go, Josh, let the people know what they need to do. Absolutely. So what you can do is all you can while you can in the very best ways that you can, mm-hmm. but in all you're doing, please do not get caught with your work undone. That is a wrap. Love y'all. See y'all next week. Thank you.